Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Each of us has experienced a fear response, even if we didn't realize it. It's that primitive part of our brain that chooses fight or flight, or freeze. More often than not, fear responses are activated by day-to-day experiences. It's rarely a mountain lion stalking us on the trail, and more often someone cutting us off in traffic or an email we receive at work that seems a bit backhanded. But what do we do with that? What if the fear response our brain chooses doesn't serve us? How do we learn to control the way we respond to fear? Today's episode takes us on a late summer hike up into the Rocky Mountains. Because sometimes, learning to control your fear happens in a dimly lit therapy office, and other times, it happens in a lightning storm on the summit of a mountain. Christina Marcelli Sargent has the story. In my experience, there are two types of screams. One type is to ask for help, a desperate cry for anyone who may be listening. The other type is more of an exclamation mark on the end of something that's already too late. That night, 22 years ago, my mom's scream was the second type. I may remember the scream, but what I don't remember is how I got from my bedroom to the living room that night. And just like I don't remember moving to get myself to the living room, I don't remember moving afterwards either. I remember being completely frozen. At the time, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand this fear response that was keeping me completely immobilized, but with such a heightened awareness, I could take everything in. That night, 22 years ago, the paramedics arrived, my mom scrambled around, my dad started talking coherently again, someone got him a towel, his hair and clothes started to dry, and the paramedics left. And yet I stood there, voiceless, still as concrete, while the scene changed and progressed all around me. Eventually it stopped raining and the thunder rumbled more and more faintly in the distance. My dad had been struck by lightning that night. He survived, but the experience continued to haunt me. I had done nothing to help, not because I didn't want to, but because I just couldn't. And I didn't like that about myself. I wanted to be the strong one, the one that chose to do something or anything. Fast forward 22 years later, and my dad now owns quite the collection of lightning bolt covered coffee mugs and t-shirts. My dad and my family can talk about it, laugh about it. And even though I smile through my dad unwrapping the lightning bolt joke gifts on birthdays and father's days, A part of me stays standing in that far corner spot of the living room that night. A part of me stays rooted in that brown shaggy carpet, a pulsating statue of fear and stillness. Since that night, my survival brain chose the freeze response over and over and over. There was the time I fell asleep on the school bus and woke up in the bus barn. I sat frozen in darkness until someone came to look for me or the awkward times in middle school where I froze while getting picked on, or even worse, when I froze when someone else was getting picked on. 
Even as an adult, I was often immobilized by fear. I'd be in a difficult work meeting and I'd really want to say something, but somehow I couldn't force out any words. Or I'd be driving my car on an icy road in the winter and I'd have to pull over because I could feel myself shutting down. I didn't like this about myself, but I didn't know how to break the cycle. Eventually, I channeled my problems into a career. I decided to study social work with an emphasis on mental and behavioral health. And after school, I became a mental health therapist, complete with a comfortable rolly chair, extensive training on trauma treatment and the stress response, and I had my own office, full of framed encouraging quotes and warm floor lamps. It was like I had finally arrived. Through my career, I slowly became confident in creating space for others to heal from past painful experiences. I slowly became confident in explaining the fear response and stuck memories. I became confident in helping other people. And when people became frozen in my office, I could look at them and say, this is now, not then. Feel your feet on the floor. Look around you. Decide what choices you have now in this moment. I have even written these words on cards for people and laminated them so that when experiencing traumatic flashbacks, the person could fumble for the card, read it, and feel more anchored in the moment. My hope was to help other people to be empowered to realize they had choices. But still, it was easy for me to help others and trudge along without taking my own advice. Maybe that's because I'm the oldest of seven kids and I have a wonderful self-sacrificing mother who cared for us relentlessly without ever filling up her own cup. Or maybe it's just something in my nature. It can be easier to allow space for others to heal and not ourselves. In any case, despite all my years of study and work in the mental health field, I never managed to get myself past the freeze response. And then one day, my husband suggested that we hike a local mountain for my birthday. I'm an avid hiker and trail runner, so I was thrilled at the idea. The morning of my birthday, we leave with plenty of snacks, water, and four birthday hats. One for me, one for my husband, and one for each of our two dogs. We leave early and the arduous miles are full of technical switchbacks and stops for snacks. The trail turns out to be much longer and more technical than we expected. My dog's tongues hang out long and exhausted and the collective sound of other struggling hikers is like a swarm of moaning zombies. The trail is crowded and we are all focused on the same thing, the summit. We are also all ignoring the same thing the increasing thickness of clouds in the distance behind us. When we finally get to the summit, it is full of people. People celebrating, taking photos, drinking beer, and puffy clouds full of dimension are casting shadows as far as I can see in the distance. We all put on our birthday hats and ask a stranger for a photo. Then everything changes. Everyone get down now, a man yells. Get off the summit and spread out. 
his voice is laced with panic. Instantly, there is a collective adrenaline rush of panicked hikers scrambling to make it down the mountain. I realize what's happening. The metal bead on my baseball hat starts to buzz. A crinkling, popping sound and sensation moves across my skin and scalp unlike anything I've ever felt before. It feels like I'm being microwaved. My hair stands up on end with an eerie electric living energy. I think back to the day my father was struck by lightning when I was nine years old. I remember his soaking wet body on the living room carpet. My entire nervous system remembers that moment. And just like when I was nine, I become frozen. Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear what happened to Christina in a moment. But first, I'd like to tell you about something you should know about if you spend time in the mountains. Or if you spend time anywhere outside, really. That something is Kusa Tea. They're one of our sponsors for this episode. It was in May of 2015 that the light bulb moment happened, and it happened because of a frustration. That's Jim Lamancusa, the founder and CEO of Kusa. Jim is an avid tea drinker. But when you're backpacking, it can be annoying to deal with used tea bags. You can't just throw those in the woods. you got to pack it out. And so I would always put them in a Ziploc bag and put them in my backpack. On one particular backpacking trip, he didn't seal the Ziploc bag completely. When he got to camp, he discovered that the soggy tea bags had leaked all over his clothes. And it was this like frustrating moment, like, ah, oh, stupid tea bags. Why hasn't anybody made Starbucks Via but for tea drinkers? So Jim set out to do just that. And he did. Kusa tea is instant tea that tastes really good. If you don't believe me, try it out for yourself. You can get a free sample pack at kusatea.com. And if you're ready to make a purchase, you can get 30% off your entire order with the promo code OUTTHERE. Again, that's kusatea.com, C-U-S-A-T-E-A.com, promo code OUTTHERE. And now, back to our story. The first strike of lightning hit somewhere in the distance, and the sky that not long ago had been painted with Bob Ross puffy softness has been completely transformed by a thick blanket of black. In an instant, rain comes pelting from the sky, and the boulder-like rocks of the summit are now slick and shining. Some of the hikers get down into lightning stance, then after the strike, they all start running down the trail again to get off the peak. People are bumping into me and rushing to get around me, but I'm standing here, immobilized. I'm nine years old. Christina, let's go! My husband yells over the rain, and now, hail. I look down and tiny red welts start to surface on my forearms from the balls of ice. My dog pulls on the leash. She looks back at me with eager eyes. She whines. I make eye contact with her. And in that moment, I can almost hear my own voice. This is now, not then. You are not nine years old. You are not helpless in the living room wondering if your father will survive the lightning strike. You are here. Now is not then. Feel your feet on the ground. What are your choices now? 
I press my feet into the crunchy gravelly rock trail. I am here. I have choices now. Another lightning strike hits and I can feel the force of the impact on the ground. My dog pulls the leash again and whimpers. Okay, I yell to her over the hail and wind. Let's go, girl. She starts to run down the mountain and I follow. All the while I remind myself, this is now, not then. Feel your feet on the ground. You have choices now. My mantra keeps my survival brain from completely taking over. I continue to choose to move. I look back at my husband and he motions me to keep going. We both know spreading out in the lightning storm can help in the worst case scenario that someone has to resuscitate the other. And after every lightning strike, after every new wave of popping and electrified energy across my skin, I continue to remind myself. I continue to repeat my mantra. I continue to tell myself that I am not nine years old and that I have choices now. Another strike of lightning hits and my dog's ears twitch backwards with the loud crack of thunder that follows, but she continues to run down the mountain. And so do I. My heart is bursting forward, the adrenaline and cortisol is coursing through my veins, and I keep running. Agile and mindful over slick rocks, my movements feel empowered, they feel purposeful. The hail is building up in piles across the rocks and trail, tearing down the wildflowers that line the path. I keep running and my legs stride out, moving faster and faster. Then a weird acceptance or maybe complete exhaustion of my nervous system takes over. My body stops startling with each crack of thunder. The hail stops hurting. And I find this moment of strange satisfaction about the way it crunches under my feet as I run. I look up at the clouds swirling and roaring in dark grays and blacks. And for a moment, I imagine drawing them with charcoal. We made it, someone shouts ahead of me. And then around me, I notice the trees, the same trees I had looked at from above that were mere dashes smaller than my pinky fingernail, the same trees shelter that I had longed for with such intensity when the storm started. <sighs> I breathe out and I feel my heart still pounding forward, my body shaking out the stress of it all. I can't believe how fast I've made it down. I wipe my drenched chair from my eyes and look back again to see my husband with our other dog. They're almost to the trees too. Above me, blue skies are now peeking through the clouds. Skies so blue they make me question the validity of my own senses. And with one more faint rumble of thunder in the distance, just like that, it's finished. The insects awaken to sing in gratitude and the sun beats down with such force and richness it's as if I can see the wetness all around me evaporating. The hail piles begin to disappear like magic and my own skin and clothes seem to dry almost instantly. My nervous system is cradled by the sunshine and the warmth. And as I stand here, I feel different. The warming sagebrush smells like incense all around me. I hold my hands in front of me and see that I am no longer shaking. I am calm and yet my heart is bursting forth with life. Movement and choice can be a powerful thing.
I like to think that I absorbed that experience on the mountain that day down into the deepest marrow of my bones. Finally, I was able to practice what I preached. I was able to take the advice I offered to my clients every day and apply it to myself. Fear can lead our survival brain to choose a response that doesn't serve us in the moment. But that doesn't mean we have no choices. Now, whenever I feel my body going into freeze mode, I remind myself yet again that I am not nine years old. I can choose to run down a mountain in a thunderstorm. And if I can choose to do that, I can choose how I want to respond to anything in life that scares me. Christina Marcelli Sargent. She's a mental health clinician in Leadville, Colorado. Sound design for this story was by Ben Montoya. Support for this episode comes from Colorado Edition, a news podcast for and about communities along the Rocky Mountains. Colorado Edition is a production of KUNC, the public radio station in Greeley. In less than 30 minutes, they'll get you up to speed on the most important news of the day, bring you the context behind that news, and give you a deeper look at stories that matter. And because life is a mix of work and play, they also explore the lighter side of news, highlighting culture, the arts, and the outdoors across the Mountain West. Colorado Edition airs Monday through Thursday at 6.30 p.m. on KUNC, and you can also find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Allison Hagee for her support of Out There. Listener contributions make up almost half of our operating budget. We couldn't make this show without you. To make a contribution of your own, head to outtherepodcast.com and click support. You can make a one-time contribution, or even better, you can contribute to our Patreon campaign. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform for creative endeavors, and it lets you make smaller monthly contributions. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Laura Johnston heads up our ambassador program. Ben Montoya is our production intern. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. We'll see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, have a beautiful day. Be bold. Go outside and find your dreams.